and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, because I had to go and get a haircut before this episode recording, I'm wearing trousers. That's my yes. treat to you for this week. Uh, so we did it, gang. Maybe that should be next Patreon stretch goal, three grand. I'll wear trousers to every episode instead of it being horribly ambiguous for the listeners. I mean, uh, there's no proof of this, of course. I mean, you could be wearing anything right now and just saying this. No, I could provide like photographic evidence in each uh, sort of Patreon post. You know, just a picture of me recording the episode with today's newspaper and going like, <laughs> there I am wearing trousers, you know. Like you've kidnapped yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I keep uh, I keep photoshopping the newspaper in so it gets less and less convincing each time. Um, but yes, um, they're wearing trousers, so a little treat for you there. So uh, yes, good. How are things going with you? How's your week been? You're having a busy time at the moment, aren't you? We don't talk quite as much at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very busy. Lots of games coming out, lots of stuff going on. As we all know, it, all the games now come out in february and march instead of instead of like october when it used to happen so you come back i mean it's great it's really exciting you get all this like big sort of buzzy stuff to play but um yeah they're also like mammoth it's like everything's a big rpg or jrpg or live service game and just keeping on top of it is um it's hard work but i am i'm at least i'm out of the freelance zone like a big cloud has lifted <laughs> Um, That'll be um, welcome news, I'm sure, for the uh, commissioning editor listening to this episode back. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, your big Helldivers 2 guy, is that, is that taken off for you? Yeah, I don't mind it, actually. It's good. It's quite a funny arc that game has had. You know, the first one, this sort of arcade quite throwaway thing that they've obviously, like, pumped up into something slightly more substantial. Grown their team to, to do that. This is Helldivers, for people who don't know it. The first game was, like, a top-down co-op not quite twin stick shooter, kind of that energy, but had had some some quite strange systems to it, kind of Starship Troopers style bug blasting with that kind of satirical edge where you can kind of kill yourself very easily by mistake. Like friendly fires always on, things like that. And now they've turned it into this third, you know, third person over the shoulder, you know, 3D, quite glossy shooter. Not a 70 quid PS5 game. I think it's like 40 quid. But yeah, the little kind of arcadey thing that could has had a shot at like the big time. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I was led to believe by the discourse that people didn't like live service games. That was uh, well, about ni- about nine days ago. But people really like this one. But um, uh, the does live cool. service thing, it's just, it's become quite an unhelpful label. At the heart of this game, it's it's a throwaway arcade shooter. It has live service elements in that there are updates coming to it over time and the battles you take part in there's like a communal sort of flow to the the universe or the galaxy in it in that you know every fight you win you're kind of taking over planets and and they can kind of shape a, a bigger narrative around that but if you, if you didn't know that you'd just go in and go oh it's a game where i'll just drop in and shoot some bugs for half an hour every once in a while and I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's been. Um, it does look cool, actually. Uh, sort of like I thought the trailer they rolled out that state of play looked really, um, really impressive. I was sort of weighing up getting it on PC or PS5. So I've got on PS5 after restart PS Plus, which I've not had for about three years, and I'm not sort of like not dying to do that because I don't right. play anything else multiplayer on there. But um, yeah, I don't know. It is tempting because it does seem like it's captured everyone's attention for the moment so uh yeah it's um a much bigger deal than i think um well, people thought it would be so well, yeah uh, another another surprise to kick off the year 
Absolutely. Okay, so Matthew, we're doing another mailbag episode. So as promised slash threatened at the start of this year, we're going to try and like balance out our pod schedule with shorter episodes to uh, accommodate the sort of like demands of making the podcast, basically. Just sort of long term, this is how we can do it and sort of stay sane. So we're actually recording this and our Excel episode for the Patreon folks on the uh, the same morning. So uh, see Mad- if we can work out madness. which one we recorded first. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun for the listeners. Yeah, it's very intense uh, for Two us. Two pods, that, Jeremy. Actually. That's insane. <laughs> is that Jeremy Peel or uh, the the hypothetical Peep Show, Jeremy? Yeah, Peep Show. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so um, yeah, it's uh, they just did a 20th anniversary thing for that at the um, at the BFI. Kind of wish I'd gone to that, but. Uh, it's not like I, I'm I'm short of opportunity to see David Mitchell doing stuff, is it, though, on British TV? So, um, yeah, but uh, are you a big Peep Show guy, Matthew? I've only really seen Series 1, which I loved and re-watched endlessly and then, for some reason, never watched the rest of it. But you're but you're in Peep Show. You're one of the main characters, <laughs> as am I. You know, that's, <laughs> how could you have avoided it? I don't understand. That's, yeah, uh, it's, it was just too real. One of those things is, where yeah. you watch it and you're like, why do I like this so much? And then you're like, oh, you're just seeing, seeing yourself reflected in the tv it's it's you know it's like one of those quite um nice posts where people are like i love to see myself in pop culture it's like nice to be finally represented on tv <laughs> yeah it's funny as well because i think I, I knew about 18 people who when kirby enthusiasm got sort of like popular in the uk in like the mid noughties were like oh i'm just like larry david and people would say that to me as well like oh you're just like larry david i'm like that's too complimentary. He's, you know, sort of like a genius screenwriter and a and like a probably a billionaire living in Los Angeles and occasionally has like, you know, a sort of, well, occasionally he'll strangle Elmo, which was actually quite funny, I thought. But um, they're probably referring uh, to the fact that, um, surely they're referring to the fact that he's often a massive shit. Yeah, well, that's it. But <laughs> then you watch Peep Show and you're like, oh, no, that's actually me. Yes, and right. then like... And then you feel too perceived and you just have to stop watching it. In fact, that's the thing. I, I think I stopped watching Peep Show after a certain point because I didn't like looking in the mirror. That was kind of like what happened with that show for me. So, uh, uh, yeah. I, I um, mean, the boring answer is it was on at the same time that I was at working at home base. So. Ah, yes. More home base law there. So add that to the wiki, everyone. That's uh, important information. Um, so as I was saying, anyway, the mailbag, we're doing a, a few more of these this year. So um, unlike the last one, which had big early January f- pure chaos energy and was like, I thought, I think I even said to you, this is the worst episode we've ever done. The <laughs> listeners quite liked it. And so, um, you know, on we go uh, with another one. But this one we've actually prepared a bit more for. Is that fair, Matthew? Uh, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, and there are more video game questions in here as well. So yeah. it will stimulate us in some slightly different ways. Um, although I did add a question that I was just, um, I spent 20 minutes trying to come up with an answer for and realised I just failed to do that um, because it was so fucking hard. So um that was good. Uh, I don't know why I put that in the plan, really. That was on me. But um, all these fun things lie ahead. So, Matthew, do you want to read this first one? Yes. Uh, dear lads, what are some game console purchases that held a hidden cost for you to find out later once you'd bought them? Much like Samuel was influenced by Ashley into buying some Sega consoles, I've been influenced to purchase a Quest 2, rationalising that it was a che- it was the cheaper option, less risk, only to find out that the Oculus Link cable is $80, which I need since my router is on the other side of the house. On top of the Elite Strap, $50, which I knew about, this is minimising any savings I stupidly convinced myself I was getting, all to play a probably flawed version of Half-Life Alex and Lone Echo. 
Hope others can learn from my example. Keep up the good pot work on the podcast. That's from Mouse Eats Cat. Hmm, that's a well, different name. I've not heard that one before. Yeah, that's a bit different, isn't it? Unless it's just like, you know, Balladeer, but he changed his name or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> can't rule it out, can you? Um, so yeah, um, so the Oculus Link Cable, you don't actually have to pay for that one. You just need any, I think it's USB 3.0 or something like that. You just need a cable like that. So I bought a much cheaper one than that. Um, so could have saved yourself a bit of money there. But the funny actually, because um, when it comes to the VR headset, I actually haven't bought any extra bits and pieces for it. I, th- I actually think it is quite... Maybe it's I miss because the strap is slightly better with the Quest Three, but I just haven't bothered buying um, additional accessories for it. So mm. uh, yeah, I don't feel like it's that bad, but I do see the point because a lot of people talk about buying an additional battery pack and make it run a little bit longer and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, so got a few answers to this. Let me tell you about buying retro hardware in twenty twenty four, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, <please> so, do. <laughs> so as people know, I bought a Dreamcast and I bought a. Uh, Sega Saturn. I've not tried the Saturn yet because I'm still waiting for a cable that plugs it into my TV. That's about a month away, unfortunately. But the Dreamcast does work, um, so I've been playing that. And I sort of like, <laughs> I sort of, uh, I, I've realised that this has a lot of. There's a lot of hidden cost to buying these. So there for the Saturn, the seller was like, "Oh yeah, you're going to need a step down transformer to run it because it's a Japanese Saturn." I was like, "Right, okay, I'll buy one of those. They're fucking gigantic." So <laughs> the, the 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 price you pay is not just like the 20 quid or so to get one. It's the actual space they take up. So I got that now to carry with me for the rest of my life. So that's good. Um I had to buy a bespoke cable to make it run sort of HDMI cuz it wasn't built into it. So I could I could just plug it in via a an older cable, but it'll, I know it'll look ass on a 4K TV. So, <laughs> bought a fancy cable, which is about 60 quid. So, another that's like a hundred, almost 100 quid extra there, gone down the drain. Good stuff. And then, uh, for the Dreamcast, I um, I booted my second game and the VMU I bought. Uh, it was like <laughs> I think I think there's something like 200 blocks on a VMU, right? And so I, I turned on GTA 2, and it was like you need 94 blocks to play this game. And I was like, right, okay, so. You have to buy like fucking eighty diff eighty VMUs to like just save your games games on basically because I heard as well that um, uh, Shenmue uh, takes up eighty blocks the original so those two games alone take up just a massive oh. amount of space and I was like okay feel like I'm being had here by big Dreamcast um, you know yeah. like the, the Dreamcast heads have swindled me the Dreamcast heads don't talk about that when they're bollocking on about you know whatever bass fishing sega bass fishing yeah um (laughs) i am enjoying the console generally like it looks quite nice with the hdmi mod and the tv although it's having a couple of issues to i don't know if it's like looking as nice as it can look but it looks pretty good so it's decent but then yeah that's so um getting i bought like a four times vmu kind of memory card thing and that was like another um 40 quid down the drain so um we're talking about hidden costs old (laughs) sega hardware jesus christ so how, uh, I'm, I, I've not really been able to get a proper read on how you're feeling about the Dreamcast. You know, I, I, I know that you've boosted it up and played a little bit of it. Um, yeah. Compared to like what you imagined the experience was going to be like when you were buying it, and the experience you're now having, kind of how, how are those how are those things kind of working out? So, it's I actually I actually really like it because. I don't have to buy games for it because it came, it's basically like it's called GDMU. It's built into the thing and it came with an SD card that an older boy downloaded a load of games, presumably, and put them on there. So I'm just a man in the middle. I've done none, none of that business. So, you know, the cops want its details. Give me a shout. You know, obviously I bought it off eBay. So uh, 
Um, so, do you think Sega are going to Gary Bowser that guy? <laughs> I assume it would be um, a Gary Big the Cat they'd send round instead, Matthew. But, um... <laughs> Gary, Gary Big the Cat. Oh, imagine if you had to give all our Patreon earnings to Sega to pay off your pirated Dreamcast. <laughs> But I didn't pirate anything. There's some other guy did. So right. yeah, so I'm I'm innocent. Um but yeah, it's um it's so you got kind of basically all the games you would probably want out of the box. Um so that's good. The HDMI cable thing means that it's easy to plug into modern hardware, that's good. Memory card thing did really annoy me. I'm sort of like I'm slightly mixed on it so far. What it reminds me of actually is um having a GameCube in the sort of modern age as well because I got I got that I, I took um Tim Clark who came on the pod previously. I took his GameCube when he left uh, the UK a few years ago. So well 10 years ago now I guess. But um so I took that and I have a component cable for it. So it looks not amazing on my TV, but it looks okay on my TV. So mm. I can play. I was playing Rogue Leader ahead of that um whatever episode we did where that came up 2002. So yeah, so it's, it's a bit like that, I think, where I'm going to probably get it out of the cupboard like every two to three months, have a little spin on it, put it away again, probably. <laughs> but the thing I prob- the thing I really wanted to do, and you're going to really hate this, <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to have an authentic playing the original Shenmue experience, so that's what I'm going to do. I don't hate that. that not, that's, that's, in fact, that's one of the few things where I think, oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, exactly. I think as well, I, there was something a bit off about the HD version of Shenmue. Like, it was a little bit too crisped up and it didn't yeah. it quite it did like the old it, the parts looked old as hell and i think it kind of makes sense when you've got the original hardware maybe i'll prove that'll prove to be wrong but i don't think so so yeah so that's that's kind of how, how it's going so far i played a bit of virtual tennis that was very good played a bit of metropolis three so that was excellent i sort of started that horror game d2 which i do want to talk about at some point so that's like a proper sort of cult classic that people talk about mm. there. but it is it is like a parallel timeline where i never got a ps2 and I was probably quite sad about it, but I was really stubborn about these games being good, which is like what I imagine most of the Dreamcast heads are. They're people who didn't play GTA 3 and were like, but guess what? Having Sega bass fishing is just as good. You know what I mean? So, mm. um, yeah, yeah. I think Ash Day is just too good an advocate for it. Listening to that episode when we were recording it, he was really um, selling that thing hard and selling the dream hard, and it, it seemed really exciting. So I can understand why... Lots of people would want to have these experiences after the episode. <laughs> yeah, it was like he was like he was selling the Dreamcast like Peter Moore was in 1999. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it was the same sort of energy, really. I'm um, just looking forward to our end of year game of year episode where one of your ten best games of 2024 is Blue Stinger <laughs> because you haven't had time to play any new games <laughs> playing Dreamcast. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that because I know it'll be incredibly irritating. I did watch the opening. Crawl. There's like an opening crawl to Blue Stinger, and it was just there was about four paragraphs of text, and then it went dot 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 on Dinosaur Island, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely definitely a late nineties game. So, um, so that's good. But yeah, no, I will definitely play ten games this year. Don't worry. I mean, so far, I, I did I did make the proclamation that I was going to try and play some more older games this year. But so far, I've honestly just been playing Midnight Suns and Prince of Persia this year. That's taken up plenty of my time. So, Midnight yeah. Suns is an old game. <laughs> yeah no, that is true that's, yeah what 14 months old wow it's ancient uh basically retro game isn't it um so yeah that was um back to the question anyway those were those are kind of some parts of it what do you make of the me buying a sega thing do you feel like you're watching it in a kind of louis theroux sort of how's it going to go wrong kind of way uh no i i was hoping that it was going to be this explosion of like holy shit this is the best thing i've ever got and you know because i 
I was nowhere near as close to getting one as as you are clearly. Um, but after that episode, it was kind of teetering. Where like I, I was sort of saying to myself, if Samuel gets this and it really like knocks his socks off, maybe I'll look into a similar thing. Um, right. You know, I'll let you kind of test the waters. And so far, I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. it's basically you putting up a very blurry picture of Crazy Taxi and then going, and I have to buy all these fucking peripherals. And I was like, well, <laughs> dodged the bullet there. Goes back to playing incredible AAA 2024 game. Yeah, that's the thing. It's sort of like Crazy Taxi does look a little bit blurry, I guess. But um, yeah, it's sort of like it's the jagged edges that do me in, actually. I'm sort of like, I, I can't work out if it's the way I'm outputting the software. If that's just what it looks like because it's old. It's... Uh, but, yeah, it's a real. But I, I, I have this with the stuff I already own. Occasionally, I'll get this hankering of like, oh yeah, let's plug in the Wii and let, let's play a bit of Mario Galaxy or Mario Galaxy Two. That would be good. And then finding the Wii, finding all the parts, plugging it into the TV, finding a spare plug socket for it. All of that stuff is like sapping my interest in that initial idea. And then I get to it and it looks fucking horrible on my TV. <laughs> and you're like, yep, yeah, I hate this. <laughs> and then back in the attic it goes. I, I just know it would be like that, except there are hundreds of pounds involved. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And the other the thing is, though, that I just, um, the thing I just can't get, seem to get working is the progressive scan mode on it just seems to make my TV go blank. And I just can't work out how to, f- that's meant to be like the, the thing they put in it to sort of make it do something amazing but i just won't it does not seem to work so i'm stuck in 480i mode which is the cursed resolution for old games so uh it does look a bit nicer than the gamecube does actually like the display i think just being plugged in via hdmi makes it look nicer mm. so yeah anyway go on my equivalent of this is when i bought a modded blu-ray player so that i could play Japanese Blu-ray so I could watch adaptations of Higashino books that I was importing <laughs> and course. they all look terrible <laughs> amazing that was literally my my version of this um, for, yeah. for like you know I had four specific things I wanted to watch and spent many many monies on that yeah uh, there's um there's a few others here as well so uh the original xbox dvd remote was an all-timer for this so <laughs> couldn't play dvds out of the box you needed to buy the remote separately oh. to make it work and like which is a bold decision after the ps2 launched with a dvd player built in that didn't need to do that like why i don't know why they did that that would seem like a bad idea so they did that um there was also the um the 360 needed the Wi-Fi dongle, uh, which I kind of got because they were it's 2005. So this is a little bit before Wi-Fi is sort of everywhere, but buying that was quite annoying. My dad even kind of went to the trouble of getting it, and I was like, "That's quite cursed. You have to have this thing stuck on the back of your 360 to make it connect to your router." <laughs> but such as it such as it is. Any other examples, Matthew? This is a super obvious one, but you know when we were working when you work on games magazines and you have access to everything in the office you forget that your own version isn't necessarily going to have it so like going from the office where we had like a Wii and four remotes and four nunchucks to being at home getting Wii on launch weekend and then being like hey everyone let's have all these experiences that I've been having in the office and you're like oh no you know I bought a second remote I didn't have a second nunchuck you know all this kind of stuff so there are a lot of hidden costs with the with the Wii 
with regards to that. I, I mean, just general, the thing you were saying about the 360 there, like, every console came with some bullshit. The, the one that really got me, um, and to this day I still think was incredibly cheap, was um, when they didn't put in HDMI cables with the HD generation consoles. Like, PlayStation 3 didn't come with an HDMI con. You had to go and buy one. So I got one for Christmas. Didn't have any means of connecting it into the TV and actually seeing what Uncharted 2 looked like. So then had to wait a day and go and, you know, go and face fucking Winchester on Boxing Day sales. Go to Curry's or Dixon's or whatever to get an HDMI cable. Like, that's... I'd say that's, like, a key part of what you're selling that machine on. It's absolutely ridiculous to just give it a component cable. <laughs> oh, fun times. What Boo. bloody... Things are so yeah. much better now. Like, you just get everything, and you're like, that's it. No more no more bullshit needed. Yeah, that is the thing. It's sort of like... The, it is very appealing to to get retro hardware, but you realise so much of that community is built around, how can I make this not look like ass? And then the answer <laughs> will be something, like, something absurdly intricate, like the... Um, like the retro tink sort of setup you get where you spend like i think 300 quid to get some board that you plug it all into then it goes into your tv and you're like it's cool that people have come up with solutions for this stuff but yeah it's much better to just have plug in any literally any modern device to your tv and it just works straight away so ah, mm. uh, damn oh well the pre-hd times man much more cursed so uh yeah okay next question from graham s which place and time period would you get Ryugo Gakutaku? Sorry, I can't never fucking say this. They're like a dragon studio to recreate in detail so you can walk around and look at things and have feelings about them. Uh, Matthew, I came up with Soho in the Jack the Ripper times, which I realized was kind of done in Assassin's Creed, but um, a bit sort of like a bit gentler in Assassin's Creed. I kind of want that like Whitechapel or sort of Soho to kind of like Whitechapel sort of area of London. Do you know what I mean? Where you get a big chunk of right. sort of like the getaway sort of like. Yeah. bit of london basically i guess that's a bit bigger than they tend to do isn't it but um it's not that large an area now that i work in london i realize that there's not that much london really in like central london so you can sort of like walk across it in about an hour and a half you know what i mean it's not not yeah. that massive so yeah yeah oh right what feelings would you have what feelings uh, do you oh. want to have exploring jack the ripper era soho well, no, I just thought it could be like a, a detective game, you know. Oh, okay. Sort of set, you know, I don't. Oh, know. I, I wondered if I he don't... was going for like, you know, the, the nostalgia element, which seems to be quite key to the the Yakuza games. Um, what? I I picked <laughs> less exotically, uh, Basingstoke, circa nineteen ninety seven. For fuck's sake! <laughs> well, th- this is. I was thinking more in terms of exploring uh, a city in a particular time, as you do in in like Yakuza Zero, for example. Just to be able to wander around Basingstoke as it was in my childhood and see like shops that don't just don't exist anymore. I want to go into a Woolworths. I want to go into an Hour Price. I want to take a trip to the newly opened Blockbuster on the outskirts of town, and <laughs> and actually like a, a Yakuza game you'd be able to like rent mega drive games there and play them back at your house so it would still have that retro game it would actually fit the the model they've created quite n- nicely yeah i like that i mean you'd have to would you have to accommodate for all the games they sold in that shop at that time it's like oh this is arduous i'm gonna play microsoft flight simulator sort of 98 on this thing do you know what i mean it's uh, uh um... well, Blockbuster definitely rented like you know 
PlayStation games, Mega Drive games, SNES games. So you'd have, I mean, this wouldn't be a Sega game, I'm assuming. This is going to have a, a lot of games on it. Um, I mean, the Blockbuster, that's just a, a little part of it. I really want to walk around the centre of Basingstoke. I want to maybe go to, um, uh, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be like a Warner's cinema on the outskirts of town. I think it got turned into something else. Maybe it's an Warner OG. Village, did it become a view? That's what happened. Yeah, maybe that's it, one. yeah. But yeah. like, go back there and just... Imagine the smell of that popcorn and the excitement of going to see rescuers down under as a wee lad. God, this is so, this is such a myopic answer to this question. This is it's well, like this is li- what the question was. He it said, "He said, where would you like to walk around and have feelings? I would have would you, feelings about that. You would get the studio that made Lost Judgment and Like a Dragon to make." Basingstoke in 1997. Of all the places you could do, you wouldn't do even like Gangs of New York era New York. I guess New York's very tired. Answer, but that's so. uh, yeah. But there, I don't. Know, I have no connection to that. That's too far back. I wanna, I wanna see like a vaguely contemporary version of 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 England that I've lived oh, in. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't like. I it just shows how how we differ as people. Like I want to see an hour price. You want to see the hacked up remains of a sex worker in Soho? <laughs> it's just how it I don't goes. want to see that. To be clear, I don't want to. I don't. I, that's not something I'm hankering for. I'm just saying but the vibes the, but, would be. But I would say the risk of seeing that is very high in that place at that time. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like the. The sort of like closest I've seen something like this happen is L.A. Noir, right? Where it's a, a setting that I was genuinely curious about. Oh, I they, see. I get that. Yeah, they did that sort of forensic, well, literally forensic, but just really sort of like detailed recreation of the time and place and captured the atmosphere. And that's the sort of thing you want. You'll be, you want that sort of like transported feeling. Um, but then I, I kind of get what you mean. Like tempted to do chunks of Portsmouth. Now you've mentioned it. Go Wolf Keys. Come on, you want to see it, right? Yeah, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think as well. What would the fights be in Jack the Ripper times? It'd be like bobbies, and then like just loads of police officers turn up, and you just start slapping them around. I don't know, but um, a Gun Wolf Keys, it would be like you have to beat up lots of like fifteen-year-old sort of like spotty boys who are just like put down their sort of power aid and then just try and deck you basically um <laughs> if you do like 2002 era gun wolf keys uh yeah just pop into the uh <laughs> into the sort of like cabri's um sort of like uh cabri shop for some misshapes all that stuff go and get an overpriced sausage roll great times um, i see I, I don't think i'd be doing any combat because i guess in my imagined game i am you know 12 or whatever and i'm going around this place probably with my dad so, if anything, <laughs> the game, game the game, game is more like my dad trying to steer us away from people that he's identified as maybe being trouble. <laughs> okay, good stuff. So, um, I think we've answered that one in our own deranged way. Do you want to read <laughs> I this can't believe you, you dunked on my Basingstoke idea. Well, I don't know. Is Basingstoke, is it that, like, is it objectively interesting? I was trying to think of settings that might be interesting to other people as well as me. You know what I mean? But, oh, like, well, that's... Well, that's different. I'm, I'm a much more selfish person. <laughs> that's fine. But uh, I enjoyed your answer, nevertheless. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the, the 90s thing was interesting. So I thought, would it be interesting to do London, sort of Piccadilly, sort of like Soho area? And it's like the late 90s. And it's like, Blair's just won the election. All oh, the Spice Girls in the charts. Would that be good? That, you know what I mean? Like, that, that 90s London might actually have its own vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, Austin Powers just been defrosted. <laughs> just <laughs> lot of, lot of, lots going on then. Um, do you want to read this next one, Matthew? 
I like that your three references for 90s were Blair, Spice Girls, and the defrosting of Austin Powers. Oh, it's funny, actually, because those are like, well, not the Austin Powers one, but I just, um, I, I sort of like sat next to somebody who's reading a book about 90s culture uh, the other day, and I said, oh, are Blair and the Spice Girls in there? And she went, no, it's about, um, it's written by about American culture, so it's like Bill Clinton and stuff, and mm. I was like, ah, oh. and I was like, that is embarrassing that those are my two frames of reference, but what can you do? And David Beckham, but keep going. Well, excellent. Right, here's the next question. Thanks for the great pod, which has been a real joy from its inception till now and in its totality. That's a bold claim. And not true. <laughs> yes, this must have already been asked, but if not, you're in a booth with Hideo Kojima and it's your turn on the karaoke mic. We're in a karaoke booth, I'm assuming. What song, assuming the sum of all human effort is available, are you calling up? And are you aiming to impress or just survive? And if there's one button in the booth that will trigger a Yakuza Zero-style epic karaoke routine with costumes and pyrotechnics, would you press it? This was inspired by Tim Clark's story in episode 78, in which Tim Clark sang, Nobody Does It Better? Yeah, I think so, yeah. To Hideo Kojima and misjudged how high and difficult it was to sing and sort of biffed it while Kojima laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think um I think Kojima's probably got quite a good sense of humour, so he wouldn't he wouldn't sort of like be upset at anything I had an attempt at necessarily. I mean I could like um sort of like go the instrumental route and just put on this, you know, a song by this will destroy you, you know what I mean? Like the mighty Rio Grande. Well just dance for him. <laughs> no, just sit there in silence, like with my hand on my chin, just like looking at him, you know what I mean? Just like the powerful <laughs> connection between us would actually i actually do have an answer to this anyway so um, i know he likes evanescence because i saw him posting (laughs) yeah the 20th anniversary album of of fallen um the 20th anniversary version of that a i was horrified to learn that's 20 years old that's like horrible to learn that makes sense but still because one of those songs is in the daredevil movie that ben affleck was in but i would probably have a go at um my immortal uh, (laughs) which is like a very sort of like mournful uh sort of um sort of like rock ballad that turns into like this instrumental thing at the end i think he would respect that i had a go at it even if i can't reach the high notes of um amy lee from evanescence so Ooh. that i that i that i can't do but i'd try the one i can do because we have the same vocal range is never gonna give you up by rick astley like that's not because the way he sings is a little bit sort of like not really like other singers that's kind of a nice way of putting it. he is he is good he is talented and i did like his smith's thing he did at glastonbury last year he seems like a cool dude but i can i can do never gonna give you up i've done it before at bournemouth <laughs> karaoke club and got a dance floor of like admittedly a very drunk hindu going with that one so those are my two <laughs> songs matthew how about you don't say fucking randy newman why not <laughs> um that's all i got i, 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 I so uh... ben folds five <laughs> No, probably in terms of like something I could probably actually sing, it would have to be a Divine Comedy song. Would it baffle him to sing National Express? I think he, that's the sort of thing he might be tuned into, you know? Yeah, um, maybe. But I, I, I would definitely go with, can I sing this thing and not humiliate myself rather than, shall I try and do something I think he'd like, which I can't sing? I'm, I'm really bad at karaoke. I'm, I'm not very good at public singing. I kind of freeze up a little bit this is kind of a nightmare scenario for me when i was reading this one through i was like i'm glad this actually hasn't happened to me because it would be an opportunity to really leave a, a big 
sort of positive impact, you know, for him to go like, wow, that was a really charismatic journalist. I'll remember that person. But actually, I would um, I would probably be racked with nerves. Um, so, yeah, let's say National Express. Would I press the button to fire off the costumes of pyrotechnics? You're familiar with the karaoke cutaways, right? In Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakuza Zero has them. Because yeah. it's not just costumes of pyrotechnics. Often it's what the song's actually about. Right. It's kind of like a dream sequence. So like in yeah. National Express, I press the button and then I guess Kojima would see me on a bus <laughs> singing about being on a bus and he'd be like, I wonder what's going on with that. Wait, is that song literally about the National Express coach service? Yes, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, is it like, are they sort of a like, ooh, down and dirty British life kind of band? Is that their whole thing? No, not really. It's like a whimsical, well, all human life is here, as he sings in the song. It's kind of an observation on all the all the interesting characters on the National Express. If that f- song it has deeper meaning and is a clever metaphor for something else, it has passed me by. <laughs> <laughs> if there's, I mean, my memory of the National Express of getting it to save money to, in the in the journey from Bournemouth to Gosport in the early uh, to mid noughties was that it was destitute old people who couldn't afford the train and uh, like teenagers who were like feeling each other up at the back of the bus and then like while well, a bottle of lemonade just sort of like what goes along sort of like the mid aisle. Does that come up in the song, Matthew? Or not, I'm, not kind, I'm not those exact references, but it has <laughs> a bit of a bit of that uh, energy. It sings about the the person trying to push the concessions stand down a bus who can't get by because their ass is the size of a small country, as the lyrics go. Yeah, I guess they're going to give you up. We just have me in a warehouse with ginger hair, just sort of like, <laughs> and then there's like a, there's a, a cheerful bartender dancing on the. I bar. don't know which is less baffling for him. Yeah, they're like, I please would... pick a song that when you press the button, Mr. Kajim will be transported somewhere wonderful. Or it turns out that the button's broken and you are transported there, but he's just seeing you hallucinate this entire situation <laughs> and he's just like, you know, very, very upset by it. Uh, lots to think about there. Um, yeah, okay, good. So, uh, all right, this next one then. Hi, Samuel and Matthew. This is from Angry Kurt, this one. Um, our good friend, Angry Kurt. Hi, Samuel and Matthew. What's the toughest challenge you've completed in a game, whether it's a boss battle or otherwise? We might have been asked this before, but <laughs> such as it is, we've been going for almost four years. The one that always comes to mind for me is, an, is a mission in Driv 3 called uh, Chase Catalita, which took me and my friend every a year of, of weekends to do, where we would allocate one hour every Saturday afternoon and try to attempt this mission. It was only a simple car chase, but it went on for a very long time. It was extremely difficult as you drove through lots of narrow streets in Istanbul and faced many an indestructible oh. lamppost. Uh, it's almost like they didn't finish that game before they released it, isn't it? <laughs> imagine that. Imagine going, it's the weekend. Oh, no, I've got an hour of Driver 3 guaranteed. Yeah, I think me and my friend Donald, we played Driver 3, I think, about... For about two months, we would sort of like mess around in the open world bits because you could do the sort of GTA thing, but it wasn't as good, obviously. So we did that and then we gave up on it forever because, yeah, like they were reflections and difficulty was kind of a weird relationship, wasn't it? And um, that game was not quite ready for prime time. So, yeah, um, kind of a weird one. Although don't catch Jeremy, don't let Jeremy Peel catch me saying that. That'd be, <laughs> um, that'd be unfortunate. So, Matthew, what's your answer to this one? To be honest, anything truly difficult I run into, if it's if it's you know so difficult that overcoming it would be something worth shouting about i probably give up on it in games um like that's too difficult i don't take pleasure in just chipping away at the same thing over and over again it's why i've not finished any from open soulsborne game um because there's just a point where i'm like nah not interested in overcoming it um 
a time in my life where I did have time and the inclination to keep chipping away at these things, probably unlocking like cheats in Goldeneye, trying to get those times on on the levels in different difficulty modes, um, mm. like chipping away at the the one for, for facility and statue. Um, I remember those being just nightmarish and weeks, if not months, of just repeatedly running them. I, I pull out those two because they both had a semi-randomised element to them, one hinged on where Dr. Doak appeared in facility and statue hinges on where the black box from the helicopter appears so that like, you could be having the best run ever. But if that thing wasn't in you know, the one optimal run, you were sort of fucked every time. Uh, but like, you know, I think if that game came out now, I just wouldn't bother with any of that stuff. Um, I just do, do not have the appetite, uh, and, and I'm lucky to have, uh, access to enough games that I don't have to chip away at one thing if it frustrates me. Yeah, fair enough. I think, um, I think that's the thing It's like now it's a, it's sort of, you're up against it time-wise. So the idea of spending that much time invested in just mastering one game, that's kind of eluded me a little bit, honestly, in recent years. But But, also like games are largely designed to be finished now, you know? Yeah, they are. They are. And you know, there are some, there are still obviously, you know, you mentioned the From Software games. There are games where this does, this does still, you know, it's still part of the mix. So got a few examples here, Matthew. So I, um, I uh, I think that as a kid, like as a comparable example to this, like I, Espresso to Go in GTA 3 was the one that I was stuck on for ages and eventually did. And that was really hard because you couldn't even use cheats to like get ahead on it, which I did on so many of the other levels in GTA 3. <laughs> but um, you just had to like drive uh, across all three islands in nine minutes and destroy nine different coffee stands, basically. And it was and you would be shot at while it was happening as well so it was um at, at each stand and there was one that i think was like really near the airport on the third island that was really hard to get to you had to devise i think you could start from wherever you wanted to in terms of like where the mission began so it was uh, you just had to pick what the optimal order was and it was so fucking difficult to do and this is the days before online walkthroughs and i just i think it took me like probably probably three or four weeks of trying this till i eventually got it and i was so frustrated i was stuck in it because i was desperate to see the end of gta3 it felt like a, a great odyssey i had to see to completion so that was one but um in recent years um so completing mirror's edge without firing a bullet did that um completing mirror's edge on hard did that uh completed god hand did that on easy but still did it which is actually quite um this is a notoriously difficult game god hand so mm. quite quite proud of that one um getting sort of like s uh, i think i've got like the top ranking in all of the resi 5 mercenaries maps as you might expect that's very kind of like me thing to do yeah um, in terms of soulsborne stuff obviously i finished the kiro probably the big one from that though is beating the demon of hatred which is the shittiest boss in that game it's kind of like just a, a big aoe chucks fireballs that you boss across this massive battlefield and you have to scoot around doing these very precise maneuvers and I don't know why I put the time in. I was just so determined to master the game generally that um, I did it. I did it, and I did it again on New Game Plus. And when I did it on again on New Game Plus, I fit. I, did, I beat it first time because it was so ingrained exactly what I had to do. And that's when I realised I was probably going through some kind of manic episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have seen um, that thing once and just gone and watched another season of Cheers instead. <laughs> yeah, on Northern Exposure. You know, just uh, get some good vibes going. There is no demon of hatred in the Cheers bar. <laughs> Is that not like a season nine episode? You know, the demon of hatred is... They're like, the demon of hatred! Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, uh, yeah. Cliff falls in love with the demon of hatred. 
and <laughs> proposes to it. That happens a lot in Cheers. People meet someone and propose to them in the episode. Come on. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, that's weird. There's a lantern hanging on this bar. What's all that about? Anyway, let's not go back into that. Well, uh, so, uh, okay, so I guess we covered that one, Matthew. I think mm. we had some good answers there. Okay, next one. Do you want to read this next one, Matthew? Thanks for the pods. Question. We all roll our eyes when any of the tired discourse crops up, but what discussions do you love seeing? I read that weirdly. I'm sorry. <laughs> what game chats? <laughs> We all roll our eyes when any of the tired discourse crops up. But what discussions do you love seeing? What game chat slash games slash topics slash subjects are always welcome? So I guess Do you it's... love seeing? Do you love seeing? <laughs> do you love to see? Like There's nothing wrong with how you read it, but now you pointed it out, I just find it funny. Um... Like, as opposed to this what do you actually like that's the that's I, yeah anyway that's not how you read a question that's from uh gilder 44 i guess so we we were asked about t- tired topics of discourse that we that we roll our eyes at like is die hard a christmas movie snore are, are what discourses excite us when we're like yes always got time for this yeah i th- i think that um sort of like when metal gear solid or final fantasy come up i'm just i always find that quite enjoyable yeah. on social media like um recently the Fortnite, as they added a uh, metal gear characters to Fortnite, there was a meme doing the rounds of like um um Fortnite, her huh? that's far more effective than live exercises bits of mgs2 that people were adjusting around that which i thought was quite funny um yeah so anytime metal gear comes up generally that that results in some like generally good takes because I think people have a lot of affection for those games. So no one's out there going, do you know what? I think Metal Gear Solid 4 is shit, actually. Most of the time, it's people saying the opposite and going, these maligned elements of Metal Gear are quite good. And with Final Fantasy as well, each kind of like game is sort of its own universe of memes and, you know, have their own fan bases. So I think those those are generally good as well. A lot of those get shared on the RPGs channel in um, mm. Discord. Recently, someone did um, like a Simpsons sort of like uh, still to go along with every single Final Fantasy game on Facebook. And um, they all got posted in the RPGs Discord. And they were just, some of them were, were, weren't very good, but some of them were excellent. And it was um, very, very amusing. So uh, yeah, I, I always, always enjoy those. What's the still for Final Fantasy VII? Gosh, it's... Um, Oh, it's a. I think it's Mod Flanders dying. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they did. The funniest one I thought was they did. <laughs> it's like, do you remember the episode where um, Ned ha- Flanders' house gets destroyed and they rebuild it, and then yeah. when they rebuild it, he goes down that corridor that becomes really tiny. You know that <laughs> one. Um, they did that. That was the Final Fantasy Thirteen one. Was that tiny corridor? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I'll, I'll find a way to link that for the, the listeners. Um, yeah. And what about you, Matthew? Uh, Hitman level rankings always. I, I will listen to anyone, no matter how much I hate them, if they've got Hitman level rankings. <laughs> tell me, uh, Zelda rankings, whether it's the games in general, or if you want to get specific into dungeons weapons bosses things like that i guess quite similar to what you're saying with final fantasy there's just a series you know so well that i i'm just always interested to hear uh the takes uh, there are just so many of those games as well but hitman level rankings was the one that that jumped out first um i, I always like ace attorney discussion from any corner of the internet it's quite exciting when the apollo justice trilogy came out recently because you know a fresh batch of reviews on it and i was interested to see what people were saying about 
Apollo Justice, Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice because I obviously really rate Spirit of Justice, which is the sixth. But I saw some people parroting the quite tired line that like, well, Apollo Justice, you know, it's not as good as the original trilogy, but it's the only good one in there because it's the only one Shu Takumi wrote. And so the other two can't be good because of that, which is like a horseshit. I am a dumbass. Don't know what I'm talking about. Take. And I saw that in so many reviews and it was just great to be like, nope, not this person. Don't have to listen to this person. (laughs) Who's a good person because they agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) And we get to the heart of the the matter with Matthew Castle there. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, King shit to kick off um, this weekend. Amazing. Um, Okay, good stuff, Matthew. That's um, no no topping that, so let's move on. I was going to ask, have you played any more of Street Fighter VI? But mine is still sealed after I bought it two months ago. Anyway, on to actual questions. Do either of you support any Patreon accounts currently? If so, who? For a laugh, would you ever do a draft for gaming magazines or are we getting too meta? Maybe for the 200th episode. I guess I want to see, would Matthew pick Catherine or Rich Stanton first? Plus, you Samuel picking Tim Weaver just for the mind games. That's from Blinky. <laughs> we concluded we can't do that, Matthew, because we're too thin-skinned. Is that right? Well, um, we're too thin-skinned to- and also our friends are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and like it's just weird. It's just it goes, it gets a bit too strange past a certain it, point. It's you know? too inside baseball, you know. The idea of like bartering with our colleagues. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is already inside baseball to begin with, and then yeah. it becomes inside, inside, inside <laughs> baseball, and you're like, we must stop. Um, so for the Patreon thing, I support a few. I, I support um, Archipel, uh, the video um, outfit, and I support uh, John Denton as well, um, who um, obviously does uh, reactions to music and was one of the first people to support our Patreon as well. So solidarity there, um, and I, uh, you know, obviously want want John to do well too. So um, I, yeah, uh, I, I keep meaning to support Jeremy, but I have like I'm having some problems with PayPal and Patreon at the moment. So it sounds like an excuse, but I promise it's not. So uh, he probably thinks I'm holding out on him. What about you, Matthew? <laughs> Poor old Jeremy. I support Jeremy because I'm a good person and a good friend. <laughs> uh, I support uh, my perfect console, Simon Parkins Podcast, because I thoroughly enjoy that and like listening to it without adverts. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I support the computer game show as well. Oh, that's nice. They were very supportive of us when we launched in the early days, and and I'm, it's not just because of that. You know, I like to I'd like to support them. You know, just just for making the podcast. But um, you know, because Dave Turner's threatened to beat you up, Matthew. Is no, it's why? no. But like they were, <laughs> they were. You know, they've always been very generous towards us. Well, I say that. <laughs> the, the only references we ever get now are like they're dunking on you because you said this or you said that so uh, i don't know if that relationship has changed i don't think it has no <laughs> no it's all good don't start a podcast civil war we no i'm that. only I'm, I'm only joking i'm only joking they'll love that they they you know it feed anything to f- feed the bullshit I, I, fl- I flaked on being on their pod late last year as well and i felt really bad about that so um yeah so maybe i do we should be- do that we should definitely do that at some point yeah, I'm just trying not to, you know, you know me with sort of like the old career stuff. I'm just trying not to put myself in a position where I'd like get do any sort of like massive goofs, basically. So I'm just very like very goof conscious these days. So yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, okay, good. So that's that's pretty pretty solid selection. I also um, I pay for um, subscription to Vulture as well because I like reading Vulture when I'm on the train and just want to read a bunch of pop culture takes and. They've got some good writers and it's harder harder to get that for pop culture these days. So got to support it when you can, when you find it, you know, 
Um, I'm not saying okay. what journalism I support because everyone will roll their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matthew's a big Telegraph guy, obviously. So um, yeah, and the Daily Mail. Um, but if you had to pick one, it would obviously be the Mail. So uh, that's <laughs> okay. This is a good one, Matthew. Um, quick question for you: Whatever happened to the boys across the river? Feel free to ignore this question if the answer is too dark. That's from Adam. What are you imagining, Adam? What 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 is this? dark dark present day that you are picturing does it involve it's the river that... it's the it's the word the river because it suggests something <laughs> bad happened with the river right definitely that was the joke i made is that like you know one of them drowned or something like that it's not not really a funny joke to be honest but... <laughs> no i mean that would have been tragic no luckily they both live <laughs> the boys across the river they live um in final fantasy 12 style yeah they're both doing well uh they no longer live across the river uh Neither do their parents. My dad still lives by the river. Um, I don't know who lives there now across the river. Um, and uh, what headlines have I got? Uh, the, the younger of the, the boys across the river, Andy, he got married last year, I think. So there you go. Life is good for the boys. Wow, isn't that inspiring? Beautiful stuff there. So yeah, no dark, um, no dark no, information no. there to, uh, to share with the listeners. Okay, good. Well, um, yeah, we've all learned a lot there then. So uh, I don't go. know what you were hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, hi, dudes. The Bumster would like to know. <laughs> the Bumster. Uh, we've heard lots about... I had to block Bumster on Twitter because I thought he was being too familiar with me. So I thought I had to, I had to put him in his place a little bit. So sorry about that, Bumster. Um, we've heard lots about you getting <laughs> games for Christmas. But are there any young people you buy games for? Have you had any luck curating good taste in them? Or is it just Robux for days? Um so I actually, I've like basically, my brother's 11 years younger than me and I have completely transferred my game taste onto him. He likes slightly more anime nonsense than I do, but he likes all the same things. So Final Fantasy, he got, you know, 16, he's all over that. Star Wars games, he's all over that. And um, Kingdom Hearts, I got him into, I bought him Kingdom Hearts 3 a few years ago for Christmas or birthday or something like that. So um but the big thing I got him into in recent years is Persona 5. So he became like the world's biggest Persona person because he loves anime and manga. And then suddenly there's this game that is like the intersection of all of his interests. And now I think that Persona has overwritten all other things for him. So he pre-ordered Persona 3 Reload. But I don't know if that counts as young because he's 25. So right. <laughs> uh, if we're talking younger than that. I don't know anyone younger than that. So no, and everyone so everyone's like, yeah, my kid plays Fortnite or Rogue roblox or hogkai star rail or whatever and i'm like okay well i don't understand any of those things but i wish them well how about you matthew so i'm still chuckling about you blocking someone called the bumster for being too familiar <laughs> <laughs> a rich life i live matthew <laughs> that's amazing uh my youngest brother will is i want to say 21 if that's wrong my family will tell me off for that but <laughs> he's absolutely your classic like fifa cod teenage boy so yeah by buying those every year always always good for a birthday presents you know one of us can get a fifa one of us can get the the inevitable cod when my other brother alex who's only a couple of years younger than me uh was still living at home my younger brother will they they used to play a lot of smash brothers like the smash brothers game got like much improved from when it, when it used to be me and alex playing when we were younger so whenever i'd come home there'd always be like a hunger to play Smash Brothers and they'd absolutely kick my ass that they were playing it on. Which one were they playing? Did they play it on Wii U a lot? Maybe they were playing Wii U Smash, but yeah. Always random characters, which is a bit chaotic for my liking. 
Yeah. Okay. That makes. Uh, yeah. I thought that makes sense. Um, so yeah, some yeah, yeah, some taste. I would say. I play a bit of Fortnite, and um, I play it with um, Bayless, uh, and he plays. He's just got a snake uh, skin, <laughs> not snake skin, as in snake the character, solid snake. Yeah. And I, jo- I, I, jo- I joked because he's good at the game and I'm bad. I should have the Raiden skin, and we should go around together. I think that's quite a good um, thing there. But I'm not prepared to spend actual money on bringing that gag to life. So <laughs> that's really something for me to think about. Okay, do you want to read this next one, Matthew? Afternoon, gents. With the upcoming release of Tekken 8, I wondered if there are any games or series that you hadn't played or played little of, but know a surprising amount about the storyline. Tekken and Five Nights at Freddy's are series that I've hardly played, but I've picked up most of their story beats and central characters from other places somehow. If there are, uh, has this impacted your willingness to go and play those games, either positively or negatively? Loving the pod as always, that's from Superboy. It's not quite the same thing, but I remember years ago when you know Tom Francis was still living in the UK. I remember him telling lots of stories about things that happened in Eve Online, sweeping dramatic narratives that the community had made happen. I always thought those were fascinating, but then I took one look at the game and it's it's quite you know it's quite abstract. You know these things may have happened, but it, it doesn't play out as excitingly as they did when tom was telling me about them so that's a game like i was quite happy to just absorb as narratives from journalists who'd seen this stuff happened for example i always remember him telling about this apparently there was this like huge assassination of um this other player who was this sort of ceo of this huge in-game corporation and this other guild or whatever the terminology is spent 10 months like infiltrating it um, you know, all these players kind of joined joined this corporation. They all worked in different parts of it. Another guy worked his way up within it to become like secondhand man to this CEO and then kind of led them into a trap, which they then activated. Apparently they had like a kill phrase that was just sent out across the universe. And then everyone kind of launched into action. Everyone who had all the sleeper agents activated took all the resources out of this corporation, like robbed it blind. And and uh, this second-hand man turned his gunship on this uh, CEO, blew them up. But the, the, apparently the actual, what was at the heart of it was they didn't just want them dead. They wanted their frozen body re- <laughs> delivered. Right. So so they blew up they blew up this person's ship. Then they blew up this person's escape cop pod and collected the frozen body from the depths of space to deliver it to someone. But it was just this whole thing and when someone tells you about it, I think there's an article on PC gaming you can read actually, you're like, That sounds like the raddest shit ever. But when you actually look at a screenshot of it, you're like, Oh yeah, it's not quite like if it doesn't really look like you know, you're imagining it like it's fucking Uncharted or something, and <laughs> yeah. it isn't that. <laughs> or, ba- or Battlestar Galactica, and it's right. like, yeah. And that, that isn't all... the game's fault, you know. Like, I'm sure in the moment it felt every bit as exciting as, as those things, but um, there are some games which are better t- told than experienced. <laughs> so, uh, dear Samuel and Matthew, a live-action Legend of Zelda movie has been announced, but we don't have any cast news yet. Assuming Adam Driver is already shooing for Tingle. Who would you like to see in the main roles? I don't think Nintendo slash Hollywood are brave or mad enough for this, but I'd like to see a male Link character portrayed by an actress. The dweeb web commenters would go bananas. That's from Dominic. Uh, this is a really hard one, because I don't think anyone really looks like those characters. Like the closest, I think people have pointed out that 
the actress Hunter Schaefer who's in Euphoria kind of looks like both Link and uh, Zelda, which I can sort of see. But generally speaking, they're quite ethereal looking characters. So I don't really see like a Timothy Chalamet Link or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just in that in my head, that just makes me cringe a little bit. So yeah. I, don't act- I don't actually know how they'll do this. I'll just have to find a very, very pretty boy to play Link or, or a girl, like you say. Weirdly, we were watching that um, that comedy film Bottoms on Amazon. Oh, yeah. And it's got this side character, this very, like, elfin-looking actress. I'm trying to find her name. Ruby Cruz, apparently. But anyway, how, how they were, you know, made up in this particular film, I thought, oh, they look very elfin. They could, they, uh, you know, whether that's, like, a Link character or another child of the forest or whatever. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. What I would say about this is I, I think whoever you put in those things, it's going to be incredibly cringe. They're not going to do it. I imagine they will just do a straight, like, obviously the lead character is going to be Link. But I, I, I really think there's a, a thing that could work if you set it in that world adjacent to those characters and have it as a sort of a, a legend, you know, have it as quite an abstract idea. Like, I don't want to hear Link talking in a game. I don't think he, in a film, I don't think he should be the protagonist of it somehow. But yeah. I, I don't really know how that would work. You know, you almost want it to be... I can't think of another thing quite like that, but... Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's a tricky one. So, I don't... Yeah, they'll probably, you'll probably end up getting someone like Christoph Waltz playing Ganondorf, because that's the sort of decision they'll end up making. You know what I mean? Like, And then you'll be like... Oh. Mark Strong. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's very, that's quite good, actually. You can see the sort of nose there a little bit. But it's just going to be... Cr- like, the thing is, yeah. they're going to put it out, and it's going to be... Oh, that's someone cosplaying as these characters. It's just going to look like that and yeah. instantly be weird. And like Jack Black's the voice of a Goron, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, I think I agree with people saying that like it should be like a Ghibli-looking 2D animated film. Really, that's kind of like that would be the ideal scenario, wouldn't it? But alas. Yeah. Another one from me. What are some of your most controversial positive gaming takes? Takes where you genuinely like aspects that other people regularly or usually malign. That's from Balladeer. Um, my one, Matthew. Um, Eat Led, The Return of Matt Hazard was worth a punt. It's not. <laughs> it deserved every one of it. Six out of ten um, that I gave it, basically. Um, I think probably my most obvious ones are Resi 5 is good, and more controversially, Resi 6 is good. I'd written down Resi 6 as one. The other one, and I've said this loads of times, but you know, Metroid Other M, cutscenes aside, is absolutely fine, if not quite good. I learned some amazing trivia about that about the actress who plays uh samus and that recently from jay bayless there's like a, a, a woman who walks into that room where oppenheimer is being prosecuted in oppenheimer and right. she's like a receptionist or something and she is the actress who plays samus aran in other metroid other m and like when i saw it maybe it seemed better at the time when jay explained it to me but i was like whoa i kind of broke my brain open a little bit i was like she's still out there doing stuff good for her um okay last question for this episode then uh, it's our friend Angry Kurt again, aka, uh, aka Black Hazard Donut. Hi, Samuel and Matthew. Having listened to the excellent Fincher ranked episode over Christmas, that's on Patreon there for folks who are curious, it got me thinking of a question for you both. For Matthew, if you get Fincher to direct an adaptation of a Japanese crime novel, which would you choose? And then for Samuel, what adaptation of a comic slash graphic novel would you like to see him direct in a dream case scenario? Cheers. What you got, Matthew? I mean, the obvious one is Murder in the Crooked House because. I you know it's a one it's a one location film it's quite a strange building Fincher is very good at at filming buildings as we know from Panic Room I could see him 
like f- framing it quite nicely and the production design and the idea of all these slightly outlandish characters getting together i would think it would be a bit too lightweight for him i actually think you'd want something with a bit more sort of deeper psychology to it so maybe less like locked room mystery there's a higashino book called journey under the midnight sun which is like this sort of crime epic that unfolds over the course of you know 20 30 years and follows um, kind of a pair of murderers who are who are sort of sort of dancing around each other like the actual nature of their relationship is kind of the mystery at the heart of the novel but i could see that working in a sort of gone girl kind of vein you know lots of big character actors and people getting murdered in quite grisly set pieces i think that could be cool yeah i like that i sort of like think any sort of crime thing you can think of you would kind of want to sort of plug fincher into it and see what he can make of it right i mean well like the killer is an adaptation of a french graphic novel isn't it which i think they did reprint um in time for the film coming out but after seeing the film i don't feel like i need to see the graphic novel because the film was quite was quite graphic novelly i think and how it was Mm. presented like even the right down to the endless sort of monologues of the main character um Mm. slightly preposterous dialogue it was yeah um i've got a few for this one on the graphic novel side so for years, um, Fincher was was attached to direct an adaptation of Torso, which is a graphic novel by um, Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Andreco. So some quite prominent early noughties um, comic creators um, about Elliot Ness hunting down this like Cleveland torso killer or something like that. So um, kind of like it's uh, yeah, sort of like manhunt slash murder mystery thing. So that sounded perfect. I'd still mm. love to have seen that because. I've been, I went interviewed Bendis when I was on Sci-Fi Now. He talked about meeting Fincher for lunch and stuff and talking about it. So it kind of went fairly far down the line. Um, sort of like Ed Brubaker's comics would be perfect for Fincher as well. Right. I think they're kind of a good fit. So uh, probably not criminal because it's too much of it. There's loads and loads of criminal. But like the fade out that I got you to read, Matthew, like I'd be... Yeah, I mean, that could be like a good mank. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, just sort of black and white kind of like, or maybe even just sort of like, you know, a bit more sort of stylized technicolor sort of element to it you know make it look like chinatown basically um yeah i sort of like a batman year one um by frank miller and david mazzichelli like if you were gonna any sort of batman story would be a good fit for fincher it'd be that one because it's very sort of like dark shadowy drawings of batman and, and internal monologue you can sort of see the fincher in it a little bit um even though it's it's pre-fincher but it suits his sensibilities quite well so there's some answers there matthew i think that um but ed Brubaker in general his stuff is all crime noir you can totally see how how that makes sense for, mm. um, for fincher so yeah um good that's a good little burst of questions there matthew wasn't yeah, it yeah uh, and a lot more nourishing game content i um, think so yeah I did talk about confusing kojima with divine comedy karaoke but so it goes yep i talked about my experiences being on the actual national express in the late noughties so <laughs> everyone involved had a great time so good stuff um so yes a slightly shorter episode but we'll be back next week with a ps1 draft so that will no doubt um go on forever um and i'm excited to see which um answers matthew has sourced from his office where he works with people who know the playstation one better than he does so uh <laughs> has that come up yet matthew have you gone through that process not not yet i've, I've had a bigger fish to fry <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the categories I sent over? Yeah, yeah, they're good. I think I, th- I think I can work with those. I yeah. mine are going to be pretty basic, bitch. But um, I'm hoping you can bring the spice. Well, maybe we'll see. I'll actually I'll tease people with a category, so um, that'd be a nice teaser for next week, won't mm. it? So yeah, so we got um, category one: fighting game; two: shooter; three: survival horror; four: racing or sports; five: licensed game; six: platformer; seven: RPG; eight: ninety plus on Metacritic; nine: wild card; and ten: free pick. So um. 
yeah, look forward to that. And uh, we'll let you vote as ever. And it'll be fun. So, Matthew, where can people find you on social, social media? Uh, on Twitter, I'm Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. And on Blue Sky, I'm Mr. Basil Pesto, no underscore. <laughs> drink, drink, drink. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on uh, both as well. And the podcast is Backpage Pod. And then backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to email us as well. So, that's all the stuff, I think. Patreon.com slash backpagepod if you would like to listen to uh, Best and Worst Gaming Hangs, which is this month's XL episode. And uh, in March, we're going to do an XXL episode of the two June movies. So that'll be exciting. So, Matthew, let's get out of here. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>